Hi, I'm David Goforth, pastor of Grace Baptist Church. So glad that you're taking the time to listen to this podcast. And I want to let you know we're here to help you. If you have any questions, please visit our website, gbcwc.org, and contact us. We'd love to help. Amen. You have your seat open up to Galatians chapter 5. I know some of you have looked at your phones, you've looked at your watches, you're thinking, oh no, it's 1040, what's going to happen? We don't know. We could be raptured today, amen? But what's going to happen is we're going to continue to study the fruit of the Spirit. The last fruit, the last part of the fruit, remember these are not individual fruits, these are more like petals in a flower that all make up the fruit of the Spirit. And the first petal or the first aspect that we looked at last week was love. The next one is, does anybody know? Joy. And that aspect of the fruit of the Spirit just ties wonderfully in with our Lord's table because joy is something, and here's an amazing thing, joy is something that you're commanded to have. How many of you have ever tried to command your kids to be joyful? How's that work? We have a phrase in our house. My daughters know the phrase. The phrase is, happy girl. Now you say, well, pastor, why did you say happy girl? Because we didn't have to worry about anybody else in my house. Okay? But if something happened and they were having a sour attitude, we would say, happy girl. And the girls meant that that knew they could not at least outwardly show signs of anger, meanness, sadness, whatever. But we would often talk with them and say, now when daddy or mommy talks to you about being a happy girl, it's not just on the outside. It needs to be on the inside. And some of us would think, well, pastor, go for it. Sometimes I can be joyful. But I want you to understand, joy and happiness are similar in that they do look the same. A joyful person and a happy person will have some similar things about them. But happiness is not necessarily joy. Happiness is related to the word happen or happening or happenstance. And happiness is basically being joyful because of the circumstances that you are in happen to be circumstances that you find positive. I had an opportunity to go to a sports game over the weekend. There were some people there that were cheering for a certain team, other people that were cheering for another team. At the beginning, everybody was happy. But strangely, at the end, a very different group of people were happy than expected to be happy. And the people that expected to be happy left early very unhappy. Say, what are you talking about, Pastor? We're not going to get into that right now. But see, happiness and joy are similar in the fact that they feel similarly because there is this expression of joy. And so don't, sometimes I used to hear people preach on joy and I thought, okay, so Christian joy is different from happiness. So Christians can be mean and joyful and Christians can be bored and joyful. Christians can be angry and joyful because I'm happy in the Lord anyway. No, joy is going to look similar, but it is not the same as happiness. And I wanna just give you a couple of things really quickly so that we understand this. You're there in Galatians where it says love, joy, and peace. We're gonna look at a number of different scriptures just really quickly because I want you to get this. I wanna challenge you with something. And I want you to know this is something that I struggle with because there are times when my circumstances overwhelm my joy. And I used to think, okay, God, I've got to muster up some good Christian joy here to to, to power through this. I was missing the point. It's not our job to muster up joy. It's our job to enjoy the joy that God has provided. 
When I was in sixth grade, I started bugging my parents for a bike. We had two bikes in our family, family of six. They were corporate family bikes. I was the smallest, I was the youngest, so they were big adult bikes. I had to try to learn on a bike that literally, to pedal the bike, I had to go down on one side of the bike, travel up with the pedal to the other side, and go down on the other side of the pedal. That's, that's how big the bike was, and I wanted my own bike. I started so early bugging my parents about this bike, my mom still has a Mother's Day card that, that basically told her, you'll be a much better mother if your son has a bike this Christmas. <laughs> I was laying the groundwork in May, folks. I was really working toward this. I even wrote poetry because I thought that will help go over better for mom for Mother's Day. But the reality is that when that Christmas came, I came down fully expecting to see a bike. And I sat there, and my living room is not big. There was no bike under the tree. There was no bike behind the tree. I thought, well, a bike's big. So I ran out and looked in the garage. No bike in the garage. I ran out and looked on the back porch. No bike on the back porch. And then I sat down dejected next to this oddly shaped afghan in the corner of the room. A very oddly shaped afghan that I didn't even notice was there. And I sat there, and all of my siblings opened up their gifts, and my parents sat there the whole time enjoying what I was going to here, Dave, open this. And they gave me a, you know, Christmas package that had socks in it. You know, oh, are you sad? Here, open your brother's gift. So I opened Mike's socks. And, like, oh, and I sat there right next to a brand new black and gold Kmart brand name bike. That's right, not a Salvation Army one, folks. My parents pulled out all the stops. This is a never pre-before ridden bike. And it snowed that year in Michigan. And I got to be the first tracks in Pontiac on that bike. And I took off, no, no socks, no outdoor clothes, just out there riding my bike. It was the most exciting thing. But you know what? For the largest part of that Christmas, I sat there dejected. Even though the thing that was provided to me was right next to me. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning, just really quickly. See, joy is commanded. It's something that we're supposed to have. Now, just so that you understand this, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, rejoice evermore. He told the church at Philippi, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. He, Peter says, the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found under praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love, and whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. So what is this joy? What is this something that we are supposed to be enjoying right now? Well, we read it in our scripture reading this morning. Do you remember when Jesus Christ, he's talking to the disciples. You know the story. He said, I'm going to go away for a little while. You're not going to see me. You're going to be very sad, but then you're going to see me again, and you're going to rejoice. And the disciples all went, huh? Because they hadn't read the rest of the gospels yet. And they were asking each other, he says, do you know what's going on? Let me tell you what's going to go on the next few days. This is what the next few days is going to be like. It's going to be like a lady when she is giving birth. And I realize we don't like talking about this a lot. But when a lady is giving birth, I have heard reports, it's not the most joyous, exciting time in their life. They're usually not sitting there rejoicing, inviting people in, having a party. Usually, it's a stressful time. Are you tracking with me? Now, I realize that half the crowd in here have never had babies, and so you're clueless. See if you can imagine along with me. But Jesus said, the time of her travail has come, and it's difficult, but then what happens? And I've had the privilege of seeing it happen five times. 
my wife giving birth, immediately changing from the stress of giving birth to the overabundance of joy of holding her child. And Jesus Christ said, right now, you're going to go through this time. But in a while, you're going to get past that. Now, he wasn't talking about the duration of their life they were going to go through this trial. He was saying, the world's going to rejoice. They're going to be happy because I'm going to be dead. But their happiness is only going to be a short time. Because you're going to rejoice because you're going to see me again. You see, our joy is not based in the fact that the stock market has quit plummeting. Our joy is not based in the fact that we have a Republican senator. Our joy is not based in the fact that we have a house over our head. Our joy is not based in the fact that we could perambulate in here under the power of our own two legs. Our joy is based in the fact that Christ died on the cross and paid your sins. And you never once for all of eternity will feel one iota of condemnation from God because Jesus paid it all. And you say, Pastor, can that really bring joy? Let me tell you something. My family, we go on a trip to the coast. Or those of you who are visiting, you know what the coast is? That's what Baptists call the beach, okay? So we're going to the coast and we're going to enjoy the time with family. My daughters so much looked forward to going to that place in North Carolina, that weeks before they start counting down, they counted down more often about the trip to the beach than Christmas or birthdays or anything else. And if you were to talk to a go-forth girl, say, are you going to the beach? They know the beach you're talking about. You could be talking about a California beach, a Hawaii beach, a Florida beach. They're talking about a dumpy little strip of sand outside of the Cape Fear River in North Carolina, where the water is a beautiful root beer brown. And you have approximately one and a half inches of visibility. When you, when you are shin deep in that water, you can't see your feet anymore. It's not the glistening white sand. In fact, most of the time when we go there, there are, what are those, not dump trucks, bulldozers pushing the sand back up on the beach because it keeps running out into the ocean and North Carolina wants to keep that island around. It's not a glorious place, but it's a wonderful place that actually changes the way they behave in February, in March. Because just two more weeks till the beach. And they'll walk by each other and they will get excited and they will do all of these things. In fact, when we moved to Florida, I had numerous people come to me and say, what do you guys do on vacation? Because when we moved down to Florida, they left everybody. And they got to Florida in January and said, three months till the beach. And everyone in Florida said, what is so exciting? Because they were focused on this time that they knew was going to be a wonderful time. And so parents drug me to Florida. It's okay. A couple of months, we're going to be at the beach. They're at Christmas and begging dad if we can turn the air conditioner down so we can pretend that it's wintertime. It's okay. Because in a couple of months, we're going to the beach. Your joy is not linked to the fact that you have enough money to live or that you have enough money to retire, that you have enough clothes to do anything. Your joy is linked to the fact that your debt is paid, that your place is secure. And that this is the short amount of time that you have to prove to everyone that Jesus is worth it. That his way is perfect. And allow his joy to be in you. Because he even, he even says, Paul says a number of different things. But, but he says in Philippians 2, 2, he says, Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being one accord, one of mind. You know what should cause us 
the happenstance joy that should continuously happen is not when somebody scores 20 points in a ball game or when somebody wins the lottery or when somebody does this. It's when we see Christ being formed in someone else in our body, this church body. And we notice one of these young kids, and it's already happened. Haven't you already noticed it when a, when a kid that grew up here at Grace and comes back and now maybe they're pastoring here or they're serving the Lord here. Maybe they're just come back here and they're, they're a faithful servant of God in another church and you get to see them and they're still serving the Lord. What does that do for your heart? Doesn't it make it just kind of jump a little bit when they come back and yeah, I'm in my 30s, I'm over here, I'm, 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 I'm faithful in this church, I'm doing this in the choir or I'm, I'm over here in this church, I'm discipling this person. You realize I had them in Awana, I had them in third grade Sunday school class, I, I had them in my, in my science class at Grace Christian School and they're still serving the Lord, doing what you have prayed that they would do. Your heart just jumps a little bit because it is fulfilling the joy that God has placed in you that is centered on his son and centered on his finished work of the cross. So this morning I ask you, have you thought enough of that wonderful joy? Have you clung enough to that wonderful joy? Or maybe have you experienced that wonderful joy of being forgiven, of being accepted in the beloved, of being adopted into the eternal family of God, and God's joy being your joy? Jesus Christ said that he was going to put his joy in you, and that's what he did. But are you sitting next to it, ignoring it, or are you rejoicing in what God has provided? Let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed and eyes closed. Short invitation this morning. Perhaps you're here, you don't know Christ as your Savior. You're not 100% sure of your eternal destiny. You don't know that you know Christ. We're going to have a short invitation. Here's what an invitation is. We're going to ask our pianist to play. And our pianist is going to play just a quiet song to give you an opportunity to come forward out of your seat, to come forward here to the front. We have pastors here at the front. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, are not 100% sure of your place in God's family, we'd like to take our Bible and show you how you can know that joy, how you can experience that peace, how you can accept that love. But maybe you're here and you know Christ and you've been distracted by the stock market, by the division in our country, by the struggles in your family. And instead of rejoicing and joying in that gift that God has given, you've been sitting next to it sour-faced because you haven't noticed it and you haven't experienced it. This invitation is for you. Say, Lord, help me understand, know, and experience your joy. Lord, we thank you for this time that we've had to look in your word. And Lord, I pray if there's someone here that doesn't know you, that today would be the day of salvation. Lord, work in our hearts. Help us to be obedient to your word. In the precious name of Christ. Amen. With heads bowed and eyes closed, as the piano plays, you come. Don't know Christ as your Savior? Let us take our Bible. Let us show you how you can know Christ. Maybe you're here and you're struggling with joy. It's been a long time. You've been in a season of darkness a season of struggle, maybe you'd like someone to pray with you just to encourage and strengthen you in your walk to claim and enjoy and pursue the joy that God has shared with you. This invitation's for you. Take advantage. Be doers, not just hearers.